mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Life and Art from FD Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. We have an annual tradition here, which is that every December we collect your predictions for the following year. And then my colleague, Matt Vella, the editor of the FT Weekend magazine, comes in and we talk through them and we make predictions of our own. And this year, year of 2023 is no different. We asked for your predictions. They flooded in on Instagram. And I have the great Matt Vella with me now from London. Hi, Matt. Welcome. Hey, Lila. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, As you know, we ask listeners two questions. We ask them, one, what do you think will happen next year in culture? Or two, what do you want to happen next year in culture? Uh, And we got a ton of really good ones. That's great. Yeah. But first, I wanted to ask you to maybe humor me in taking stock of this year. Like, how are you feeling? It was a tough news year. (sighs) Uh, But what about in culture? What are you thinking? Is there anything that surprised you? Oh, that is a good question. Or maybe the better question is like, is there anything that didn't surprise you? Because <laughs> we've sort of been living in that like jump scare world yeah. for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that didn't surprise you? I can tell you mine. Yeah. Uh, I guess what didn't surprise me is something that we predicted in last year's episode, which is that Twitter as it was would die. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> you predicted the revival of Tumblr. Um, which didn't happen. Yeah. But but what did surprise me is that, like, we didn't really know what to do with that. Like, I felt like this year on the Internet felt pretty fractured. I didn't love Twitter. I didn't love, like, the public shaming element of it. But I did sort of appreciate that it was a place where people could, like, talk in public and everybody mm. could, like, read the same article or everybody could laugh about the same thing. I didn't really feel like there was a place for that in 2023. I felt like, you know— like we moved into the DMs completely, into yeah. the chats completely. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't died like it's been shut down, but no. what it was is definitely gone. And I guess the thing that surprised me most is to see how many public people, public figures, public like celebrities could go full goblin mode and how fast <laughs> that pipeline goes now. Like, you know, yeah, it, what do you mean? how long did it take Kanye to go from like, you know, genius to whatever he is now. If yeah, yeah, it yeah. Way. It took some years. But like Elon Musk, for example, <laughs> <laughs> like his whole pipeline to goblin mode just sort of happened. And I yeah. feel like that happened to a lot of public people this year. And it was kind of a surprise. Well, shall we go to the voice messages? Yeah. Okay, so the first one uh, sets a sort of tone for the predictions that we got. It is from Solana in Berlin. I think 2024 will be loud. We're continuing to leave the pandemic behind, and there are wars either happening or in danger of breaking out all over the world. And there are big elections coming up in several countries, and the global temperature is rising, and there's just this palpable sense that any damn thing could happen next. And I just think whether it's people looking to get out and play, 
or get out and protest, shit's going to get loud. Maybe primal scream therapy will even make a comeback. Life will just be happening at full volume for better and or for worse. (laughs) Did primal scream therapy go anywhere? I don't know. (laughs) I could use it. (laughs) But I really like this. Did you what did you think of this? I liked it, too. I just thought it was, like, very different from previous years. Like, in last year, I don't know if you remember, but at least two years ago, listeners wanted flip phones. They wanted to move to the Romanian countryside to milk cows and and (laughs) to get a milkman. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And I think people uh, uh, just—a lot of the responses were people just wanting to, like, get out there. Yeah. Uh, One person, (laughs) Sophia Oswald in Munich, said that— old school techno music will make a comeback and people will start dancing in the middle of the day, like take a lunch break and go (laughs) dance and then go back to work. So whether it's like bad because there's so much going on and people are just like anxious and exhausted about it, they don't want to like go in and worry about it. They want to like go out and forget about it. Right, right. I like this because you could read it in a a bunch of different ways. Like loud could mean in a 90s retro way, you know, (laughs) neon colors, squiggly lines on top of everything, or it could just be literally loud. But I definitely like the idea that the sort of mumblecore era is permanently gone. Yeah, me too. Um, But then I just wondered, like, should we coin what comes next or attempt to? I mean, that's (laughs) kind of predicty, like shout core, Mm, scream core. Yeah, primal scream core. Primal scream core. All right, cool. (laughs) Let's see if we can hashtag that up and get it trending. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, ah, core. Black core. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go to the next one. The next one is from Calliope Keramari from York. Hi, Lila. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and my prediction for 2024 is that cabbage will be front and center. Pickled, roasted, steamed, (laughs) raw, cooked, you name it. I love cabbage. It has been rising in popularity for quite some time now. And so I think it will rule 2024. Okay, this one's one of my favorites. (laughs) Cabbage is so hot right now. Cabbage is hot right now. Yeah, cabbage, like the least sexy of all of the vegetables. Uh, Really the like number one depression vegetable also, like the thing that people ate in the Middle Ages because it's all there was. We'll be back. You know, cabbage in a civilization is still around kind of way, (laughs) 50-50. Cabbage in a post-society scenario, 100% there for it. Wait, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, I mean, in a sort of struggle to survive, like natural state of man kind of situation, cabbage has a lot of advantages, you know, high source of fiber. Yeah, it's true. Cabbage is like the cockroach. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen? Oh, that's have funny. Have you seen more cabbage on menus and stuff? I don't feel like. Um. Well, I'm actually I'm on a personal cabbage tear, uh, only because I'm making a lot of stuffed cabbage uh, dolma recently. Okay. But cat. But it's been funny because we got a lot of uh, food related ones. We got mm. a lot of people saying they want more pie in 2024. Someone said they want more hard cheese served in chunks. <laughs> um, a lot of people wrote in about mocktails, like more mocktails. But I kind of feel like 2023 was the year of mocktails. They're already, at least in New York, on every menu. Um, and then the thing that felt related to me about cabbage is that uh, 
I have a, an old neighbor who wrote in, Rebecca Anders, she wrote in wondering, like, what's going on with vegan food? You know, there was an uptake, at least in New York, on, like, bad-for-you comfort vegan food. And it was just, like, kind of, like, messy. It was vegan, but it was, like, messy and hearty and delicious. Uh, I feel like maybe if I was to make a, a prediction about uh, vegetables, it would be that we swing back to the purity of the vegetable as it is, you know, like mm. slow roast a carrot for 14 years. I, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I have to disagree with you. I, I kind of feel like we're going to swing back towards, you know, preservatives. Meat? Yeah. Not, well, <laughs> just canned food, you know. We yeah. did a big story in the magazine about microplastics, this really serious issue that, you know, is starting to get more attention. But the scientist in in that, her big discovery is that, you know, she thinks microplastics are having an effect on human reproduction and fertility. And mm-hmm. the measure of this is the size of the taint, the, um, okay. you know, that part of the body. Sure. And <laughs> it's, you know, you read about it and you're like, oh, my God, we've got so much plastic out there. What are we doing to our species? Da, 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 da. But uh-huh. then on the other hand, part of me is like, you know, Tupperware, pretty good. And if the cost is my great great grandchildren have a slightly smaller, you know, area, it's kind of worth it. I think a lot of people are going to swing that. Like, mm, it's kind of worth it. Yeah, it, there's a Could little bit of a like, uh, fuck it attitude to 2024. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Forgive my language. <laughs> okay, why don't we uh, do the next one? This is from Amanda Schofel from London. My prediction for 2024 is following on the coastal grandma aesthetic of 2022 and the eclectic grandpa aesthetic of 2023, that 2024 will be the year of the disco anti-aesthetic. So (laughs) metallic turquoise eyeliner, excessive prints, bold bangles, feathers and sequins for days. Hmm. Um, What do you think about this? I didn't realize coastal grandma aesthetic was a Thing or uh, the coastal grandma aesthetic is like uh, Diane Keaton in like any movie with uh, Diane Keaton, kind of like walking on the beach wearing white turtlenecks, exactly, uh, and like linen pants. So uh. that's gone, and instead we're wearing feathers and disco balls. Uh, we had uh, Elif Inse, journalist from Istanbul, wrote, and she said she's done with the no makeup makeup clean girl aesthetic look. So actually, she just wants to put on dramatic, expressive, artsy, colorful makeup. So there were a lot of things like this. Like, there's going to be this surge in uh, whimsy Mm. in clothing. I mean, that would be great. I feel like sweatpants have a strangle hold on on us in a way that we're not really ready to admit as a society. But um, I don't know. What do you think? Whimsy I can get behind. Like, yeah. I can go hard. Uh, yeah. I can wear a fluffy cow print hat. <laughs> I saw a lot of them at the Beyonce concert this year. Really? Uh, wow. Maybe, yeah, maybe that, that will... Is that a Beyonce thing? Uh, the Beyonce Renaissance tour was full of chaos and glitz. Everybody looked amazing. Everybody kind of, like, uh, glistened when they moved. Ooh. Everybody, like, uh, made sounds when they moved. They I were. Like it that. was a human disco ball aesthetic. I don't know why I'm so desperate to, like, coin a term here, but glitter chaos is definitely, <laughs> if it's not already a thing, it's a thing I would like, whether it's a fashion trend or a makeup trend or, you know, political trend or who knows. I think yeah. I'd, I'd be down for that. Okay, like, I like that too. I think we're moving on from primal scream core into something that feels more right to me. Yeah. 
Okay, why don't we move to movies and films? Um, I want to do one from our colleague, uh, the wonderful Emma Jacobs. Um, her prediction sounds specific, but I think it's uh, there's a lot to talk about. I would like to have more 90-minute films next year because there's something so perfect about being able to, without sounding like a Philistine, being able to go to the cinema enjoy a film and then chat about mm-hmm. it afterwards rather than drag yourself away and go home to bed. Uh, some of the best films I saw this year were 90 Minutes, <laughs> Past Lives and Rye Lane. And I can't face going to see a Scorsese film at three and a half hours. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to disagree with the brilliant Emma Jacobs, <laughs> but, but what about the exact opposite? So like a Charlie Kaufman film about the last guy going to the movie theaters and he has to watch a movie that will last the rest of his natural life (laughs) that maybe yeah that sounds good uh uh, but no in all seriousness yeah movies are way too long it's just ridiculous i mean i don't know what what do you think yeah, I kind of agree. You know, we've been doing these culture chats on Friday now on mm-hmm. the show. And uh, in a lot of them, we find ourselves asking this question, could this multi-part TV show have been a movie? Mm. <laughs> or like, could this movie have been shorter? I, I, It feels like there's a lot of bloating. Yeah. And uh, even in television, like we're remaking Frasier because... Mm. We think that's what people want and because it's safe and we know there's an audience who likes it. But actually, people just want to watch the old Frasier. It feels like what we want is like shorter, one-off, new stories, hour and a half long movies without like a a callback or a remake. But then that's kind of the opposite of what production companies want to invest in. Yeah. I mean, one of these nerd things that I'm fascinated by is how different business models and technology changes affect the way we tell stories over time. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. the big question about why did we go from three-act structure to five-act structure during the Victorian era? And, you know, people say, and I don't know whether this is the case or not because I'm not that much of a nerd about it, but, well, (laughs) actually, the five-act thing is the time it takes for the candles to need to be replaced. Um, oh, wow. You know, some people say it's a human bladder kind of related <laughs> thing. Or, you know, the way that you structured network television so that you had stingers right before a commercial break, which, right. of course, now... You don't need. That's going away. And now we have the streamers who just ghoulishly want you to just never shut them off and never close your eyes. And so we have gotten this explosion of long content, which it's it's probably a, a combination of things, but it is too much. The BBC has done this right all along. Like, you'll have right. seven episodes and two seasons and then done. And right. I don't know if, I guess, the economics tilt away from that on the streaming platforms, but I'd be for that, for sure. The other thing that I want, actually, uh, now that I think about it, is what uh, uh, our colleague Eric Platt Wrote in and he said, well, first he said he wanted the crop top to go mainstream for men as well. <laughs> but, but really what he wanted, but, but really what he wanted was like a very meaty rom-com that had character development and beautiful writing and like not another Amazon Prime movie sponsored by Tiffany's and is bad. Like he wanted a story. He wanted a romance. He wanted a twist. 
He wanted good rom-coms back. <clears throat> and uh, I agree. Okay, Matt, so we've talked about so much. <laughs> we've predicted <laughs> and hoped for so much. But I'm curious, like, maybe we can spend the last couple of minutes just reflecting on uh, what kind of year we had. I was thinking about uh, you, something that you said last year, Matt, which uh, mm. sort of rang in my head all of this year. Wow. Which is White Lotus was very popular, and mm. the intro theme song that was like, <laughs> you sort of you sort of said that 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 song that like the sort of horribleness and the weirdness of it, and the, like represented who we how we all feel, which mm-hmm. is like all of these things that shouldn't happen, and in normal in normal life for years, decades has never happened or happening again. There's a mm-hmm. war in Europe. Like, what? There's, mm-hmm. you know, a former president gets indicted. What? Like, all of these mm-hmm. things are happening. Um, and so everybody's just wandering around, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, bumping into stuff, yeah. trying to figure it out. I'm trying to think about where that's gone. <laughs> like, where we are now with that. In terms of the movies that have come out, the books that have come out. Like, I was reflecting on, has any of that sort of represented where we are in a way that feels right. Mm. I feel like we're in this multi-year transition from WTF just happened, like dislocation to full embrace of the chaos. I mean, that is a running mm-hmm. theme in these our listener responses is this sort of just acceptance of the chaos. So, yeah. you know, I don't know that I could point to anything that is quite as uh, much proof as the uh, thing. <laughs> but uh, it does feel like we're kind of just comfortable with our heads chopped off. <laughs> yeah. In previous years, like people have really felt like very strong on their values and strong on like what represents their values and what doesn't. Mm. And then there were films like Barbie and there were like big shows like the Taylor Swift show that seemed fully embraced by the culture, even though it was like, it was about capitalism and it was also sort of like old-fashioned feminism, but also it was just effing fun. Like, it Mm. was just easy to watch and it was fun and people had a good time. And so there was this kind of like tension this year between like, are we just going to like relax a little (laughs) about all of this because everything is on fire and we're used to it now? That felt, I don't know, unique maybe to 2023. Yeah, I... I think there's something to that. The way I might put it is there are a number of um, explicitly nostalgic pieces of culture. I I don't know if Barbie fits into this or not Mm because it was pretty constructed, you know, a deliberate. But where something shifted where it didn't feel like, oh, my God, you're just plumbing my childhood from the 80s in order to get (laughs) my eight bucks. And it was sort of okay. I'm thinking about about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Did you see that? (laughs) I didn't watch it, no. (laughs) All right. Well, I have have young kids, but I will fully admit that I was indoctrinating them and they did not really care about the Ninja Turtles before we saw the movie. But, (laughs) you know, it was made by Seth Rogen uh, or he was involved and it it was very, very lovingly done. But it Mm -hmm. was it was cynical, you know, Mm -hmm. Viacom owned property that was a bunch of toys, blah, blah, blah. You know, same story as Barbie in, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. But it sort of didn't matter. And I don't know if that's a me thing, an audience thing, or the construction of it's a bit more sophisticated. But I felt like there are a number of things where either people were just letting it go that it's made to get their money, or mm-hmm. maybe there's 
something in the way those kinds of stories are told, where if it's if it's lovingly done enough, whatever, you're just there to enjoy it. Who cares? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we've given up on the idea that there's like any purity to anything. So it's like not really worth fighting this. Like there are inherent contradictions in most pieces of art and film. And we come back to the taint and the microplastics, <laughs> maybe the preservatives. <laughs> no. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. We're just like, ugh, whatever. My last point on this uh, uh, sort of does... I think, round us up, which is that um, as a child of a therapist, I was very aware of how like therapy speak sort of like took over our culture over the past couple of years and watching us sort of misuse words like trauma and gaslighting and inner child and making them sort of whatever we want them to mean. And it felt like we were sort of overdiagnosing ourselves in this very black and white way. Mm. And sometimes it's not a simple diagnosis like... ADD or uh, autism or whatever. It's like, yeah. it's more than that. So mm. uh, maybe 2024 is the year of the nuanced take. Therapy speak, <laughs> that definitely was a trend. And, you know, I hear you on the sort of misdiagnosis and the sort of using a diagnosis or suspected diagnosis as, as an excuse. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of okay with it. More therapy in general is probably yeah. okay. But just keep the therapy speak to the room <laughs> where you're getting the therapy maybe. I don't know. I think if you're hoping for more measured takes, it's not the train we're on. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know how to end this because I also am pro-therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one caller who just said big asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and their, their prediction for 2024 that sort was of, big asteroid. Yeah, that sort of like brings everything together. <laughs> um, is that where we end? That doesn't seem right. No, 2024, the no. year of uh, growing flowers in your apartment and uh, having a fun time and glitter. <laughs> <laughs> and diagnosing and, uh, yourself correctly moments before the big asteroid. And diagnosing yourself correctly and quietly and just <laughs> being better in public. <laughs> Matt, this was such a delight. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, may all our wishes come true. Indeed. Happy New Year to everyone. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That's the show. Thank you for listening to Life and Art from FT Weekend. We will do our best to link to all of the things that Matt and I mentioned and listeners mentioned, including that article on microplastics. The FT links will get you past our paywall. In the show notes, you'll also find discounts for a subscription to the Financial Times. And we have ways to stay in touch with me and the show, whether that's by email or on X or on Instagram. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and here is my talented team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko, with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer, and our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a lovely week, and we'll find each other again on Friday.